Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the JMO Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Michaels, and our guest this week, we have Tyler Walden from Carlos, Minnesota. On the show, we've had uh, we've never had Tyler on before, so this interview, we definitely uh, spent a lot of time just getting to know Tyler. Now, Tyler and his tournament partner, Nate Linegar, are the 2023 Team of the Year in the Ames Walleye Circuit over in Minnesota. And they won the championship on Lake Winnebagosh. They started the season off with a win at Leech Lake. Now, these guys are no strangers to winning you know, regular season events, championships, national championships, just high finishes across the board on the resume. But uh, 2023 Team of the Year has to feel really good. We hear all about it. We hear all about this fantastic season in this interview. But we also just spent a lot of time getting to know Tyler and his, uh, you know, in his fishing career and just really uh, spending some time depicting, asking questions about you know, those life experiences, those those instances in life where the light bulbs were going off and the most learning and development was going on because, you know, some interesting things about Tyler is that he, you know, being born and raised in Minnesota doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, a, a, a walleye factory is right down the road from you. Uh, you know, Tyler comes from a relatively unlikely place uh, in Minnesota, uh, not surrounded by fish necessarily. And so this has definitely been something he's had to pursue very, very much. Uh, you know, just just his own motivation and drive uh, to put him in the position to learn and and develop these skills to be really competitive in walleye fishing and 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 he's really he's already achieved it. The young man has a ton of career ahead of him, and uh, you know this is hopefully the first of many times having Tyler on. But you know, in this interview, just a lot of storytelling, just a lot of you know learning about Tyler and 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 really spending some time reflecting on the moments in his career that have really developed him and the learning that came of it and what the circumstances were and just, you know, things that we can all probably relate to in some way, shape or form. But, you know, hearing how somebody else learns and how somebody else, uh, you know, really, really develops and when the light bulbs are going off can help us when we're on the water. And we're not sure if we just had a light bulb moment or we're not sure if, uh, you know, uh, we can turn a tough day into a great learning experience. Um, or if you're looking at, you know, an opportunity to fish a tournament, talking about tournament strategy and just what that, what all encompasses that. And, and, you know, Tyler, uh, and, and his partner, Nate, it's just fun to hear the stories, fun to, fun to hear from Tyler, you know, just how they work together, how these guys break down water and, uh, how they ultimately catch fish and what, what the confidences are, what Tyler's style of fishing is. Uh, yeah, just, just very, very, very fun. Uh, you know, personal story in this and a lot to take away from it. To be honest, I really enjoyed it. So let's get into it. We've got Tyler Wolden. We're talking Minnesota walleye fishing. Let's do it. Hey, the open water fishing season is far from over, but the reality is for many of us, it is winding down. Let's take a minute here and appreciate everything that happened. Hopefully we made enough memories that can last us for another year. And if we're really lucky, we had a few fish fries along the way. Let's finish the season strong and continue to follow the clean, drain, dry protocols in preventing the spread of aquatic nuisance species. For those of you that are setting your sights on the sky, waterfall hunters, you need to thoroughly clean all equipment after each trip. That includes decoys, boats, waders, even washing the dog helps. It all needs to be clean and dry before moving to a new location. By following these guidelines, we can protect our waters for generations to come. For more information or tutorials on these clean, drain, dry protocols, head to North Dakota Game and Fish website. That link is in the description of this podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Northland Fishing Tackle. Northland is a brand you can trust. Since the beginning, they've been creating innovative lure designs made of high-quality components. Most importantly, when you buy fishing tackle that says Northland on the package, you can rest assured it is designed for one thing and one thing only, and that is catching fish. To check out more of what they got, head to their website, northlandtackle.com. That link is in the description of this podcast. This episode of the JMO Podcast is brought to you by Shields. Shields is your one-stop shop retailer for all your outdoor needs with over 30 locations across the United States Every single department is full of the best brands on inventory and a knowledgeable staff to give you great service, including the fishing department. For more information or to find a store near you, head to the link in the description of this podcast. That's shields.com. 
And if you don't find a location near you, rest assured, all their best deals are online as well. So the only thing left to do is to go check them out. Link is in the description of this podcast. Um, but I, I want to pass it over to you, man. Uh, um, inter- introduce yourself a little bit. Let's hear a little bit of sort of your fishing career and where it all started. Yeah, yeah, no, sounds good. Thanks for having me on. It's uh, yeah, been a little bit of a long time coming. You know, we've known each other for quite a while from yeah. you know, college and whatnot. A little bit playing football together, but um, yeah. So no, I started. You know, we, you know, like we went to Fergus. Um, I was from Wadena, Minnesota originally, and a little fun fact about Wadena. I don't know the details of it, but Wadena, Minnesota is pretty much in Minnesota. I believe. Don't quote me on this, but it's got to be close. It's like as a town in a county. It's the furthest town away from a actual fishable body of water of any town in Minnesota. <laughs> really? That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. I it is. I mean, so growing up, I didn't have a lot of opportunities besides like, you know, they called it Sunnybrook Park, a stock uh, trout pond. And, you know, my mom and dad would bring me down there all the time. And we did like turn, you know, I guess that technically would be the first tournament I ever did was, you know, Sunnybrook had their summer tournament. I believe I won at one time, but I was just a little kid. But, you know, past that, you know, growing up, we were always active outdoors, fishing, hunting. We actually had a place um, on Otter Tail Lake growing up. So I think I was, you know, early teens, my folks picked up a place on Otter Tail Lake. So <clears throat> we'd spend every, you know, waking minute on Otter Tail as kids. And, you know, we had a 14 foot lawn with a 15 horse Johnson. And my dad was pretty trustworthy, I guess. He said, here, here you go. Here's how you run it. And, you know, go have fun. Don't do anything stupid, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I, I cut my teeth as a young kid, primarily on Otter Tail Lake. And, you know, I've had successes on Otter Tail, over, Otter Tail Lake over the years. But, yeah, I spent a lot of time out there with my brother and buddies. And we just fish until our heart's content, you know, catch as many walleyes as we could. But, yeah, I played a lot of sports, you know, in high school. I had, you know, all, you know, baseball, hockey, football. And, as you know, went to um, community college, played a little college football there and so I had a competitive edge and I fished the whole time you know not as much in college but I would fish we had that place on otter tail and and uh after that I went and played college hockey and I got done with that and that you know I still had that competitive edge you probably a million times but you got that competitive edge and that that personality type that wants to go 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 and get after it and uh so I got to know uh, Scotty Newman. Um, we played college football with him, and his dad was a big fisherman. He was kind of a local legend in the Alexandria, Minnesota area, where I ended up moving to. Um, but I can't remember the exact first actual tournament I did, I, I, as far as like a timeline. But I'm pretty sure it was Otter Tail Lake. They have, and they still run it today. It's the like the Kick Country Classic or something like that. They call it the Radio Station Tournament. Um, a buddy of mine from Fergus, Adam Martins. Um, he he's like let's go fish it so he fished in his 17 foot you know boat with whatever an 80 horse you know mariner or something like that so i think that was the first tournament i did and we had a heck of a day it was a two-day tournament two one-day tournaments i can't remember if it was day one or day two um but we had like just an enormous bag for otter tail like we had like a 28 incher a 26 and change and all of our unders um this is kind of an embarrassing story to tell but you know it's a live and learn situation so we had these big fish and we had, we were measuring our fish on a cooler on those old Northland tackle, you know, the sticky uh, measuring tapes. Oh, we had that yeah. on the cooler. <laughs> yeah. Kind of, you know, the standard back then. And, you know, we didn't know any better. So we were measuring our fish on that. And we had one that was close on there, but we're like, well, that thing's not, you know, we're not right on. It's going to be good. It'll be under, you know, 20 inches. When we go up to the weigh station. I'm holding the boat in the dock. Adam's bringing the fish up and he comes storming back. Yo, we got DQ. We that fish went over 20 inches, and I'm like, oh no! So we had this monster bag. Would have won the tournament by. We didn't even need that fish. We could have thrown it out and just weighed four or five or whatever it was. And uh, so we learned our lesson there. You always have to have a good measuring board. And uh, yeah, because in, in Minnesota, you know, you can only have one 20 inch right, right, right. So that that fish, you know, I kicked it out and that and the whole bag because of that. So it was not a big deal, you know. Like I said, a lesson learned. So that was the first term I ever fished, and then I fished. And then I moved to Alexandria, Minnesota area, which is you know obviously you know known for its lakes as well and fishing and more of a bass area. But uh, Lake Reno holds a tournament. You know, it used to be just a spring tournament, and then I have a fall one as well. So Scotty Newman and I actually fished that tournament growing up, or when I moved to town 
um, a few different times. Never done did all that great. I, mean, I think we cashed a couple of checks and whatnot. Um, and then past that, you know, AIM, you know, put their Minnesota, North Dakota, Wisconsin series together. And that happened to be this, I can't remember the exact, it's nine years ago. That's all I know. I don't know what to think of, like 2014. Um, but we, there was a same weekend as that same, you know, Otter Tail tournament, that country classic one. Uh, AIM was hosting a tournament there on that Sunday. So it was Friday, Saturday was that uh, radio station tournament. So I fished that one, did pretty well. And then they had that otter tail tournament. So we're like, well, let's fish that. We never really heard of the series, you know, besides what they did a little bit in the uh, previous years with the AIM circuit. So we fished it, and I fished it with the new partner, Jake Bonsack. Then uh, I bought a boat from his dad or something like that. So we got hooked up, and we fished together for a while. And I think we did pretty well. I think we got, like, ninth in that one. And then we fished that whole series, made the Nash. I think, I think we took second in the state championship there on Lake Winnie. Um, that first year at AIM in Minnesota, made the first national championship and then it was kind of just gangbusters from there. Jake and I fished for a couple more years together. Um, and then, you know, I got uh, fishing with Nate, my current partner, Nate Leninger, and then things have kind of just developed over time over that. So, I mean, that's a kind of a brief history, I guess, you know, there's a lot of details and a lot of stories, but that's kind of how things got rolling and, um, you know, couldn't be happier with how things have you know turned out over the years so, to date. Oh yeah, dude. And that's like, I'm glad you shared that that honest story about that that first tournament. It's like a way tournament where you know Minnesota rules and 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 man, like when you fish state to state, every you know all the state regulations where there's you know overs and unders and you gotta be picking fish. Like that's like incredible foreshadowing for the rest of your career because now you you mainly fish the aim where it's a measure and release tournament and you can have all them big fish on your card. And uh, that kind of fixes that problem a little bit. That's yeah, pretty, yeah, that's pretty cool, man. Um. Yeah, man. So let's kind of dig into it a little bit and look at, you know, some of these recent years you're fishing the aim and you've done really well. And, um, you know, I kind of want to dig into that a little bit and just, I think talking about the fishing is going to continue to kind of get to know you as an angler, you know, hearing those stories and kind of, you know, but I, I, I really want to, you know, for you to kind of pick some of those stories that you feel like were kind of impactful. What were some of the, you know, maybe it's the good finishes or maybe some of the, um, you know, the tougher days where you learned a lot or, you know, some of some of the good memories where you went to a new body of water and, 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 um, you know, had a good finish, like some of those impactful stories from over your career. Now that you, since you've been fishing the aim, any of that kind of stuff come to mind that was really impactful to you? Yeah. You know, the years are starting to blend together, to be honest with you. <laughs> you know, it's been nine years now going on. And, um, you know, what what really comes to mind and it really hits its home is the team aspect. You know, <clears throat> have you followed us and people have followed us? You know, they're probably pretty well known that we're, you know, we have a team. We kind of call it the JT Outdoors team. So I'll talk about that, uh, the teammates, and then I can kind of revert back to those timelines because it's just – Every tournament, it's something, you know, but I do have some, I think, that kind of stick out in mind. But Joe Bricko, he owns JT Outdoor Products, um, and then he fishes with Dylan Mackey up from Grand Rapids, and then Chuck Hossie of Leisure Outdoors out of Leech Lake, and then his partner's Randy Topper out of Grand Rapids, or Cohasset as well. But, you know, we got tied together through the grapevine. You know, we've gone through some different partners and whatnot over the years, but I think it was like five years ago or somewhere along those lines, you know, we all tied together. And uh, the best story about <laughs> the best story about the first time we all fished together as a team. I think we're you know pretty much all a team. I think Randy's dad fished this tournament instead of uh, Chuck couldn't make it down. But it was on Mississippi River a few years ago, and I, I apologize to Dylan right off the bat, but Dylan's an amazing fisherman. It's just this story kind of hits home and it gets told quite a bit. But Joe didn't know Dylan really from from anybody. I'm not sure how those guys guys got tied together. I'm guessing it was through Randy Topper, but. So Dylan shows up down uh, in Red Wing to jump in um, with Joe for practice. I can't remember the exact details of all the story, but it was something along the lines. They were fishing in Bay City Flat. You know, people know where that's at on Pool 4. And um, they were trolling lead core, if I'm not mistaken. You know, something along the lines of Dylan, I think he casted a jig and wrap out or something. I, again, I can't remember all the details, but it was just one of those fluky things where Dylan, you know, he didn't know trolling as well. He didn't never been on the Mystic River, but Joe's trolling. Joe's fished tournaments for 20 some odd years. And uh, Dylan jumps in the boat and he casts like a jig and wrap or something out. And he, and Joe's like, 
do you got a fish? What are you doing back there? He's like, well, I just threw this out and, and I got one. And he swings in like a 20 some inch walleye that you should never swing in. <laughs> yeah. Boat incredible. flipping on. No. Yeah. And Dylan's just boat flipping fish and everyone that knows Dylan, he's got this, the, you know, the funniest laugh. And uh, I guess that, you know, from that day forth, I mean, they've been, you know, right hand men to each other and really um, done well together, but that's, you know, that, and that's what I was going to kind of tie into as well. Like, <clears throat> you know, in the past few years with the, the team, um, a lot of our like memories come from going to these different buys where, you know, we fish, you know, like you said, the Minnesota series primarily, and we, kind of zone in on those lakes, Leech, Vermilion, Lake of the Woods, Black, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, when we go to, like, places like Chippewa, Flowage, um, Gear, uh, Bismarck for the, what's it called, the Missouri River there. Yeah, You know, yeah. we go, it, we, we seem to do, I mean, we do really well regardless, but, you know, those years that we had these destination national championships, you know, we just jive so well together and we work so well together to break down these bodies of water that the memories are every single minute of the day. And, uh, but like going back to, I think the, it'd be Chippewa flowage, that one. Um, I can talk about that one. That, that, that's an interesting bite out there. And a lot of people fish that Hayward, Wisconsin area. Um, you know, we did all our research ahead of that national championship and we knew what, you know, if the weeds grew up in the bays, it's like a weird kind of cabbage they have in that tainted water up there. But if the weeds grew up in the bays, those bigger walleyes really, you know, zone in on that area because that's where all the bait fish are at for their cover. Well, come to find out, we get there, we're fishing on these bogs and whatnot, looking for weeds. We can't find nothing. Like the growth is just not there. It's just like right on that cusp of that weed popping up and, and showing itself. Well, <clears throat> it was really weird. Like I remember I was fishing one day and I'm seeing, I'm a wood guy, like I burn wood at home, so I'm always looking at trees and whatnot, and it's kind of weird like that, but um, I noticed these trees are cut down on the edge of the shore all over the place. I'm like, what in the heck is, why are these trees fresh? And that kind of came to mind. I'm like, well, it must be for cover, like the DNR, and that's what we ended up finding out, the DNR fisheries department or whatever. They were cutting these, you know, trees that are right on the bank, and they're dropping them in the lake, you know, out there. They'd fall, they'd be like 15, 20 foot out in the lake. Well, guess where all the bait was holding yeah. <laughs> right, right in those trees. So I started pitching those trees and sure enough, you know, we pop like mid 20 inch fish and they're holding on the edge of these trees and two, three, four foot of water. And that's where those big fish are at. Um, so we rallied together, got the team. We found every single one of those trees in that lake. And it actually ended up turning out that it's like five or six of them were the only ones holding fish along with a, uh, um way back in one of the bays there was a they didn't do it back there but we found a naturally down giant tree and that one was holding some really good fish so we we found the winning fish for that event and um, i can't remember the guys that won it but they found they found an area that did have some weed growth they ended up winning it and good for them <laughs> yeah but we found this goofy bite and that's that team aspect where you know you see with a lot of like nwt guys and a lot of other teams and just guys in general they find these quirky things that's what the big fish are holding, but we seem to do a really good job of it. Um, that big tree, that not to keep going on too long here, but that big tree during the tournament, we had a great bag going. We knew we were in the running for first. I we were, what we were doing, uh, I didn't mention that, but we were taking light jigs, like 16th ounce or 8th ounce, uh, little, you know, fireballs, and we were um, casting little creek chubs up there, like four or five inches we got from a, a bait store up there called Jinx Bait. He's helped us a lot through the years. Anyways, we have all these red, creek chubs and red tails, and we pitch them up there and face let that you know swim around. And also, oh, you know, they just choke the darn thing. Well, on that big giant tree, we knew there's a bunch of fish on it, and I, I had like a six, seven inch creeker, a giant one. During the tournament, I'm like, we need a big bite. Pitch that thing up there, so wow, hits the hits the water, floats down, and then all of a sudden, just just a giant bite. And I, I, you know, you can't set the hook on a seven inch creek chub right away. You gotta let them try to chomp it down a couple times and. I'm letting that thing swim on. I literally chased it for like two, three minutes down to the depths. I set the hook, had him on for like 15, whatever seconds. It probably never got a hook in him. And I, you know, I, I knew fish really well as far as weights and all that stuff goes. And that was a big one. And it was a walleye and it just sucks to lose those kind of fish, but kind of a cool story on how you find those weird things. And, you know, I'm taking second in that term, I think, and our partners took third, if I'm not mistaken, for that national championship. So that was a really fun event. We love those ones where you, you travel and get away from the lakes that we fish, you know, every summer over and over. <laughs> 
you know, in hearing that story, I love it. You know, when you find something that's just a little different bite, that's a lot of times what, you know, what just drives us as anglers, whether you're tournament fishing or not, is when you can find fish and, and not just find, you know, the community bite, you know, or the community hole, um, you know, whatever. But like when you can kind of find something cool that's a little bit off the wall, I love hearing that story for sure. Now for you, I want to dig into that a little bit. Let's go back a little bit. Could could you kind of be able to identify or articulate in yourself when you sort of learned that, like as an angler, like like when were you the most exposed to thinking outside the box, like catching summer walleyes in two to three foot of water, you know, looking at the shoreline for down trees, like like that. We're not all just like born with that, especially with traditional walleye thinking. When you talk about you know seven, eight, nine, ten years ago, like that's pre forward sonar. That's I mean that's like even even in that shallow water, you're not probably seeing fish on forward sonar a whole lot. Like I mean, like like at what point in time in your fishing career do you feel like you were exposed to a higher level of things that really were some real light bulbs were going off? Yeah, I would say, I mean, I look back to, I mean, you know, nine years ago or eight years ago now at that um, first national championship, I'm not saying that's when it was, but, you know, we, that was a completely different system to me. You know, that's that big, uh, it was on, um, oh, lack of parl, it's called, it's connected to Big Stone and Traverse. So it's a really shallow body of water. So that tournament ended up getting one, you know, pitching, uh, kind of pitching like rigs, like I think call them dork rigs underneath the bridges, you know, it's, there's current flow through there. So that was a little bit different scenario, but that was like the first time I, I feel like I ever got into a really quirky bite that I was out of my comfort zone, you know, where I wasn't familiar with that kind of a bite. Um, but then, you know, bringing it back to, you know, more of the current time frame when things really got going was, you know, <clears throat> I know you mentioned forward facing sonar. So I, I, I ran the P it's called a Garmin PS 30, since it came out and that's like one of the original live scopes pretty much it's pan optics it was mounted to and still on it's on my current boat actually now but it's like a big black brick back there and that was kind of the same thing that we're doing now where i could chase down i more so chase down fish i didn't pitch to fish so much but that that i would say that would be the time frame in my eyes that i really got technical with things and quirky with things you know finding that shallow stuff that that came from just our research you know we do a lot of research and I'll, I'll give credit a lot of credit to joe Bricko on that you know with having the jt pro team you know we got anglers all over the midwest and almost the country now so we're able to tie into a lot of the teammates uh, on the team and and get some insights um for that event it just you know that was just doing our own research on youtube and different videos and just uh, you know talking to people while we could and we learn, you know, those fish should be shallow. They should be in the weeds. If there's no weeds, we didn't get any answers for that. <laughs> you know, we thought there'd be weeds. So, I mean, that was the next best thing that I that, that we saw were those trees in the water. Um, but then past that, things really, really kicked in for us when, like, we used to run my boat all the time. My partner has a big, you know, 621 Ranger, which is great in big waves and whatnot. But I never really understood why Nate always run, wanted to run my boat. I kind of got it. But, you know, in the past, so I've had that, that had been like five years ago, maybe even six when I had that first pan optics. And a lot of our fishing was, you know, we'd sit in the bit in my motor going backwards and it seemed like it was always two, three, four foot chop, you know, on these big bodies of water and we'd chase down fish. So a long time ago, you know, we, we realized and learned that, you know, you got to chase the fish down. Um, and, you know, prior to, you know, current live scope, how we do a lot of fishing, know we do a lot of big minnow fishing i mean we would make the fish bite by chasing them down getting our baits in front of them by going over them which doesn't happen as much anymore um and you know going for those big bites so we've had a lot of success doing that um obviously using you know crawlers and leeches as well on the rigs and then jigging wraps too but um i really have to tie it back into that you know electronics have been you know for how many years 25 30 years have been just a huge part of the game I hate to just go right in electronics, but that PS30 from Garmin really kicked it off for us as far as, you know, finding fish, chasing them down, making them eat, you know, so.
This episode of the JMO Podcast is brought to you by Shields. Shields is your one-stop shop retailer for all your outdoor needs with over 30 locations across the United States. Every single department is full of the best brands on inventory and a knowledgeable staff to give you great service, including the fishing department. For more information or to find a store near you, head to the link in the description of this podcast. That's shields.com. And if you don't find a location near you, rest assured, all their best deals are online as well. So the only thing left to do is to go check them out. Link is in the description of this podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Northland Fishing Tackle. Northland is a brand you can trust. Since the beginning, they've been creating innovative lure designs made of high-quality components. Most importantly, when you buy fishing tackle that says Northland on the package, you can rest assured it is designed for one thing and one thing only, and that is catching fish. To check out more of what they got, head to their website, northlandtackle.com. That link is in the description of this podcast. Hey, the open water fishing season is far from over. But the reality is, for many of us, it is winding down. Let's take a minute here and appreciate everything that happened. Hopefully, we made enough memories that can last us for another year. And if we're really lucky, we had a few fish fries along the way. Let's finish the season strong and continue to follow the clean, drain, dry protocols in preventing the spread of aquatic nuisance species. For those of you that are setting your sights on the sky, waterfall hunters, You need to thoroughly clean all equipment after each trip. That includes decoys, boats, waders, even washing the dog helps. It all needs to be clean and dry before moving to a new location. By following these guidelines, we can protect our waters for generations to come. For more information or tutorials on these clean, drain, dry protocols, head to North Dakota Game and Fish website. That link is in the description of this podcast. No, and you got because you're a tiller guy, you know. That's I the am. other thing is you're a tiller guy, and you know the, there's some really impressive. You guys run some really impressive tiller boats out there, but you are the minority, you know, without a yeah. doubt. I mean, that's that's definitely sort of a representation of a time past. You know, these guys that are still just stuck into, you know, guys like you that are still stuck into that tiller. Is there anything about that? Do you ever like to probably take a little bit of pride in that? Like how? How would you say, or, or what is it for you? Like, what is your comfort zone? What is your fishing style? Or how how do you sort of explain why you're still in a tiller? Well, yeah, you bring that up. So I am currently in a tiller, and um, I, I, you know, I don't know why I've always been. I think it's just like a persona more than anything. Well, it probably has to do some with like where I'm at, like Alexandria area and otter tail you know otter tail area people know that that's lund boat country right so because lund boats in new york mill so everyone has the pro guide 20 foot or 18 foot tiller and that was just kind of thing to do um i'm with the craft boats and i've been for many years now and and quite honestly the reason i went with the craft and i chose that i bought a used one loved it and like i was like oh you know those warrior tillers are pretty pretty nice or lunds i want a fiberglass though but i wanted to do i wanted to be different you know i don't want to there's so many warriors out there and lung tillers and not, and, and crafts. And I was like, you know, not a lot of people have yard crafts. I'm going to go with them, stick with them. And I've, I've had three of them now and absolutely loved every one. The first one is a used one, you know, a great boat. And I got my first new one with the craft, and then I'm on my second new uh, 2095 BTX. And yeah, I think it's kind of a persona thing. Like I just wanted to be like, I've always fished in tillers. I'm in an area that like, Alexander's really known for the Rangers. So like they had the 620T and the 618T and Scotty Newman's dad had the 618T, which I thought was the coolest boat ever, of course. And it was, <clears throat> but yeah, so I, you know, not to break up the, the, the tiller aspect of things. And I love tillers. I'll probably have one again in the future, but I do have a brand new, um, uh, 219TFX with that new V10 400 on order through, uh, through Yardcraft and my dealer, Hannes Marine. So that's supposed to be here in January. So, a little plug in here my my current boat is for sale oh <laughs> so, right on right on <laughs> yeah yeah but no i mean i love tillers and it was really a big you know it was a big factor to our success in the past because you know what i was getting at before was with that ps30 on the back where i had kind of the pan optics um i was able to control the boat in big waves so i could be in four footers i'll tell a story about that actually this is a good one um uh, so leached lake we didn't win this one i think we, we cashed a check but it was we were out on the main lake on um 
I think it was Moki Reef, or no, we were on Annex. Um, and it, you know, it was just one of those weird days where it's like kind of choppy and then it gets calm. Leech and these big lakes are known for that. Um, and it was like noon and this giant wind came up and it was like, it literally got to like four, maybe even a little bit bigger flitters. And we're not leaving. Like, there's no way, like, if anyone knows my partner, Nate, like, you sink the boat before we we leave, basically. But we're on leech, and there's, like, a there's a couple guys next to us. Like, there's, like, 15 boats on the reef. And everyone starts leaving, leaving. And there's one ranger that tried to stick it out with us. It was an older ranger council boat, and they were going forward. We're going, they're, they're pulling uh, big minnows as well and whatnot. But they were trying to do it. They swamped their boat, and I, I keep sitting there. And this, this storm only lasted for, like, an hour, maybe. And it calmed down and all those guys came back and they were still there. And I just put that big motor into gear and just go backwards right into them. You know, big tiller guys do that and just splash them and keep on going. We could still hunt down fish though. And we had it all to ourselves for now. Those guys came back in the ranger and it came fishing. I talked to Matt the turner like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe you stuck through that. And you actually were still fishing the whole time, <laughs> you know, so it was, it was a compliment to be able to have that boat control and chase down those fish with that boat that way it was. But the reason we did that is because, you know, you can do it now a little better with the trolling motors and upgrading the shafts to longer shafts um, and being able to, like, work those bigger waves or slip with them and whatnot. But back then, you just, you weren't, a, you know, we weren't able to use that big 621 and keep that bow, bow mount in the water and chase those fish down. We didn't have the PS30 on there either, so it made a lot more sense to be in that big tiller the way we fished back then. You know, now obviously that's changed with the live scope, the way we use it now, you know, looking forward, staying away from the fish or slipping with the waves. But um, yeah, it was a pretty critical aspect to a lot of the success back in the day. So, yeah, man, there's a lot of great stories. So, so now, you know, if I were to ask you maybe, you know, what, what your specialties were or are, you know, your fishing style, what are some of your specialties? You know, what has your passion really grown into in terms of your fishing style? Like, like, uh, you know, what is it that you really prefer? What's the ideal bite for you? Um, you know, I mean, however you want to say it, your favorite body mm-hmm. of water, your favorite time of year, what is it that is just absolutely your jam when it comes to hunting down and finding and catching big walleyes? Yeah. Well, I mean, I always go back to otter tail, you know, I cut my teeth there growing up. I'm only 40 minutes from it now. I don't spend enough time out there as it is, but when it comes down to body water, um, otter tail, like opener time frame or early June, you, you really can't beat it. it it's just it's such an amazing body of water that like, you know, just to give a brief example, otter tail this year, we had a tournament there. We took ninth in, which wasn't quite what we were looking for, but um, I'll do two things on otter tail in regards to that. So like in practice, I spent a lot of time out there and there's such an amazing class of fish out there. It's so like you go on top of these humps and there are literally thousands, if not tens of thousands of 11 oh, I should say that probably 10 inch to 14 inch walleyes like you can go every cast with a number seven jig and wrap and you'd catch a limit every you know instantly it's just insane I'm just outside of those fish not as many obviously but there's a great class of like that 17 to 19 inch fish um and they're plentiful as well I mean they're like babysitting those schools of and they're eating them too to be quite honest we you know I put walleyes in the boat 19 inches and practice to bring home the clean and they'd have baby walleyes right in there they spit them out in the libel um and then um you know outside of those fish on the deeper edge is where the tournament fish were at for that aim series um they were floating down the bottom and like you know that's like like 25 to like 30 feet of water is where those big fish so it's kind of like in series you get your littles your mediums and then your larges you know it's like they're watching each other almost but um i'm trying to remember i was gonna go back to otter. oh going back just briefly back to the tiller side of things um the guy that won otter tail matt he was fishing how i used to fish so there's still applications for that he's in a lung boat but he said it right in you know the thing i mean he was right next to us when when he won it we watched it. we didn't watch him catch fish but he was within eyesight on the same structure and he was doing it just like we used to do it. He, he used live scope on his trolling motor in the back, if I'm not mistaken, but he had just hunt those fish down and drag big minnows over them. So briefly back to that, there's still a, definitely a time and place for that kind of fishing. And we missed the ball on that one a little bit, but going to my favorite way to catch fish. I mean, so for the nine years, I've been really seriously, you know, fishing hard and fishing this aim series. Haven't missed hardly a one. I've always been the minnow guy. Like, 
just my area between Alexandria area um, and west of town and then back home towards uh, Wadena. We have a lot of creeks and whatnot. So I've always been the minnow guy. Like I trap minnows, I catch them however I got to get them. I got bait tanks right outside my shop. I'm sitting in now that are full of creek chubs for, uh, for uh, Cass Lake here in two weeks. And I got to get more actually, but um, so my favorite bite is definitely still um, a creek chub or red tail bite. You know, red tails in the weeds you can't really beat because they just get demolished so darn hard. Um, so, I, you know, I would say like that early June time frame, fine fish in the cabbage, as light a jig as you can get by with that really like going with like 16th ounce so I can let that minnow work. But, you know, using the live scope to see through those weeds and see a big 28-inch mama sitting in there and drop a red tail on its face you just can't beat it and it inhales it you really can't beat that bite that would have to be my favorite bite for sure well what else should we talk about we should break down a bite or something like that i mean what would you feel like what would be some good information on breaking down water where you're from like you guide a little bit too is that true yeah yep yeah i do i yeah we didn't really get into that so i do guide uh, my partner nate's a full-time guide with lakes area guide service um so i pick up some of the slack for him basically if he double books or you know he gets a bigger trip i'll help him out i don't do a lot of trips i used to do a lot more but you know maybe you know a dozen a summer you know having two kids now four and a two-year-old it takes up a lot of time as you know but you know it's nice I, i still enjoy you know the teaching aspect of it and showing people how to catch fish and just the look on their face when they they get a big one i was just actually on lake osakis the other day on a guide trip um and uh, they got like a 27 and a half and those guys were just jacked and they go on a lot of guide trips and whatnot but that was fun um but breaking down a bite i'm trying to think you know uh lakes around here i mean i mean just in general you know lakes around here they all got tons of walleyes in them i you know totes to the um the fisheries you know as far as you know especially the alexandria area because from my understanding the alexandria area there's not a lot of natural reproduction um you know there's a lot of silt in the lakes and they're kind of more like big sloughs i mean you got carlos which is nice and clear i'm sure there's natural spawning on there but yeah not a lot of natural spawning so we got a lot of these smaller lakes in the area that you know really rely on the stocking programs between you know the, the fisheries and then lake owners associations they you know they did the end of that as well and i've helped out with those like i'm milton i fished that one a lot but you know, around here, it's all about weeds a lot of the time until you get to like, you know, later in the summer, like this time frame, you know, they really slide out deep then. But um, yeah, a lot of it's just associated to weeds, I would say. Like we have a lot of good cabbage around here um, and the fish stay in the weeds for a long time, a lot longer, I think, than people, you know, usually realize. So, and obviously, you know, before it was more so like I did a lot of like taking a small little tungsten, maybe like a, you know, a 16th ounce tungsten or something, tungsten like that or something. And doing it on like a rig with a plain hook with a longer snow, like four or five foot pitch that, you know, put the trolling motor down, go 1.1 mile an hour, 1.2, pitch it out there, give it a few, and then just drive through the cabbage. You know, you used to catch a lot of walleyes doing that. So people that are in the live scope and there's people like that still that don't run it and all that, um, you know, that's a great tactic for weed walleyes. You, you really can't beat it unless you have live scope because then, you know, now what we'll do is we'll work those weed edges. We'll look into the weeds, you know, keep going. Oh, there's a school of fish. Um, and then we'll throw like for guide trips, you know, a lot of eaters will throw bobbers and leeches on them. Um, still do jig and minnow. Uh, one thing we do quite a bit of now too, is like with smaller little paddle tails, um, like Kytex and whatnot, you know, you can put a light little tungsten on those and cast those into the weeds. Obviously people have been doing this for a long time, but we found it's worked really good around here. Like the, the walleyes around here are like bass actually, there's only bass with them. So they eat very similar. They love those plastics burning through the weeds, just like a trawler does. So you do a lot of that, but, um, you know, breaking down anything more specifically, it's, it's just a lot of lead fish, big fish around here. Like I fished that Lake Osakis tournament the last two years. Uh, I fished out with my wife. Um, so last year, my wife and I won that tournament. It's called the, um, Lake Osakis Lions tournament or something along those lines. It gets like 70, 80 boats and they do that fish donkey app. So that one's big fish again. So I think it's five, six big fish for that one. Your six biggest fish. And we won it last year and uh, we won it again this year, which was kind of a, that was a, that was a nail biter. It went down right down to the layer. Cause you can, this year they, they made it so you can see everyone's weights the whole time. And another guy was just kicking butt right away. And then I got back onto my bite and that was a weed program as well. So that tournament is in 
uh, that's June. So I think that's like second weekend of June. And that, that lake's got some really good cabbage. So we had worked the same kind of thing. We worked that cabbage edge um, and see those big fish floating around. And that one, we had these slip bobbers and leeches. They're sometimes pretty finicky, but a lot of our big bites, again, came off creek chubs. I, I always go back to those creek chubs and red tails. It's, yeah, it's tough to – yeah, dude, I, I agree. And the, But there's definitely – yeah, there's definitely levels to it. And it takes experience. Um, you know, it, it's not like the you know just having creek chubs in your bait well are going to make walleyes jump into your boat either. I mean, I think that, uh, yeah, man, I, 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 you know, if that, you know, when that's that's your comfort zone and that's your confidence, um, yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's all good. Well, how, how about this? You know, before we totally wrap it up, let's talk a little bit about this season. Um, obviously, it's a special season. You guys just wrapped up with a great finish, uh, capped it off. Uh, team of the year, I believe. Let's just do a little recap on this season, um, you know, and, and uh, what some of the good finishes were for you. And uh, maybe just kind of give, give a little bit of love to just, you know, this season and how good it was for you and your partner. Yeah, yeah, for sure. This has definitely been a... You know, the best season to date last year was was an amazing season. Well, we got two W's there. But so this year um, we went so Leech Lake for AIM. That one went uh, back to went back to Leech again this year for another uh, AIM event. But this year they moved it. Last year was in July. And this year they moved it to, I think it was like the second weekend of May or something like that. It was like the end of May. And, uh, yeah, so we got the W on that one. I'm trying to think back. I feel like it's been so long ago now. But, um yeah, we had a good program going on that one as well. It was a little different than the July bite, but not a whole lot. We kind of similar structure in areas, but kind of pushed out because, you know, different time of year, obviously. But, yeah, we put together a really good bag for that one. Um, didn't get the 49 pounds we had last year, but I think we were like 47 and change. So we, we blew that one out of the water. That was a blessing. Um, so that was our first event on the AIM series. And then we – we did struggle a little bit as far as the AIM series go for the next one, but before that would be that Osaka's tournament. So my wife and I, Kate, we won that one. Um, and Nate fished that one as well. I think he took, he took third in that event. He fished it with Dylan actually, and Joe fished with advice. So we kind of had our team there as well, but broken up. Um, and then, uh, yeah, then we had Graha after that. So Graha is a uh, Grand Rapids lakes or, the hockey association there's a big event up in grand rapids so if anyone wants to that tournament's tough to get into um really tough to get into but that tournament is one of the best nothing is aimed or any other event out there but that tournament is amazing hoyer won it this year you know he drove what you probably talked to him about he drove from wherever it was all the way back to come back and get the w but i fished that one with chuck hossie we mixed that tournament up as well with our teammates because randy has been fishing for years with another buddy brock and uh so we kind of mixed things up there but yeah, so Chuck and I fished that one, and we were top 20, and we kind of struggled on that body of water. But we got to watch John do some fishing and some of our partners. And Nate took second. He, like, just barely – Hoyer just barely itched out my partner, Nate, and his buddy from back home. Um, so that was a cool event. We still had a good time at that one. But um, then after that, we had a couple more AIM events. Um, we had Malax, and uh, the team showed pretty well in that one. I think Dylan and Joe cashed pretty good check. Um Nate and I, I think we got like 27th or something, or 20 something in that one. Um, so we ended up using those points for team of the year. So obviously, Leach, we used those points for team of the year. We got 200 there. And then we used Malax, which got 100 and whatever, 70 some points. Um, then we went down the Mississippi River, and that was a dog of a tournament. Um, yeah, just a tough one. I mean, it was in, I think it was like July 8th or something like that, you know, and the water's super low. So a lot of the fish were in pep and we, we like, I like going to the Mississippi river cause it's a challenge and we kind of got some stuff figured out for that early season bite. Like NWT going there in May next year is going to be just light. So, I mean, if the weather cooperates and the flooding ain't bad, it, it's going to be a crazy good tournament. But um, yeah, we had a tough time at that one. I don't even know where we finished up, but we went and pretty much just caught soggers all day in little walleyes. But um then after that one, we had, yeah, then it was the championship. We had DeWinny. Um, I just spent a lot of time up there. <clears throat> we know the body of water really well. I mean, uh, Randy lives only 30 minutes from it, and so does Chuck, and they fish it quite a bit off and on. And But I spent a lot of time up there dialing in fish, just fishing hard, 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 and finding the fish. And um, we kind of came to the conclusion that the unicorns up there were not like other lakes where you can get, you know, a 29 and a 30 here and there, which you've done a lot of. That lake was literally, you know, 27 to 
little like 27 and three quarter were your were your unicorns there your kicker fish and uh day one we went to our start spot which the day before um chuck caught like a couple 27 inches we're like all right well <laughs> there's a big area thank goodness so the whole team went there nate and i went to our area of it and we didn't see squat for the first hour so we're driving around we're like well so we went back to an area where nate found in practice um like three days before that he caught like a 25 and a half a 26 and a 26 and a half or 27 we're like well that's the next spot so we went there and stars aligned for us like the big fish moved in there was no boats on it so very little pressure and uh we were fortunate enough to get one of those unicorns, a 28 inch. Then we had like a 27 and half and a 27 and a half. Um, and a couple smaller, like a 26 and a 25. So day one, we were in first with 40 and a half pounds. Um, we had a good lead. I think, uh, can't remember who, who was in second on day one. If it was Tom, I think it was Tom Wynn. I think Tom was in second. And then our partners were like in third and, you know, six or something like that. So day two, we felt pretty confident to go back there. I mean, we had some weather changes and it was really kind of a hectic deal with the weather up there, but luckily our fish didn't move too bad. And uh, we go back right to our start, you know, our, where we got the fish on day two and it was pretty well, <laughs> pretty well, it was dismal to say the least. There wasn't a lot of fish there. They weren't active. And um, so we kind of started scrambling at that point. This is early in the day, you know, and, it was fine in that sense, but so we started hitting spots and we had like 10 different spots from practice that we knew we could get that 25 inch class. And that was kind of our goal for day two, running all the numbers. Like, you know, we look at day two day tournament, like what does the second place need to have or third or fourth. And we knew we needed that low to mid thirties to really give ourselves a good shot for the W. And, uh, we started just plucking away at them. You know, we caught like a 25 and then 24 and 26 and, and then we ended our day with like a 26 and three quarter. And uh, that put us at like 37 pounds and change. Can't remember the exact number, which doesn't really matter, but we ended up with seven. This is easy to remember. We ended up with 77.77 pounds. And uh, we won that event, that Minnesota State Championship. And we knew that we had a really good shot at Team of the Year at that point, unless Tom Wynn, you know, blew it out of the water. But he would need to like, we did the calculation, he would need like 48 pounds or something like that, which is like impossible on that lake, the way it sits right now. But so yeah, we uh, ended up getting the uh, team of the year as well by a few points. And that, you know, like I kind of said on stage for the interview that that's what we've been like hunting down for so many years now, because we've won the national championship. Um, we've won, you know, multiple tournaments. Um, we've won another state championship in 2018. So we had that checked off. So being able to win the state championship and team of the year at the same time and team of the year in general is that was our goal for many years and we capped it off with the with that and it was yeah, it was it was really nice. So that that's that's how we ended up the year. We do have one more event coming up. I don't know if you're gonna ask that, but we do have the MWC cast coming up in uh, two weeks, I think. It's like September fifteenth. Uh, and that's a really cool event as well. So yeah, the whole team's heading to that one to stay at Stony Point Resort there. And that's a really fun system as well. And that's a live weight tournament that MWC. So it's nice to mix it up for the end of the year and throw something a little different in there, you know? Oh yeah, dude. I mean, yeah. And what is, you know, what a season and you, you, you get, you give yourself the opportunities to fish all these tournaments and yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, that's just uh, that's just what I love to hear about. Those are the stories, man. And and you know we're we're ta- we're telling your stories and we're getting to know you at the same time. You know, I just I, I love. There's so much information, fishing information embedded in all this. You know, and 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 just finding out what makes you tick and and uh, you know doing a lot of things, but having confidence in in the live bait and the and the big minnow thing and. And just hearing your stories of of uh, figuring out how to fish well in tough conditions with a tiller boat, um, you know, when nobody else can can figure that out, and and the stories about figuring out, you know, new bites or or you know, funky bites and 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 casting at trees on the shore, um, you know, it's that's just outside the the typical realm of standard walleye fishing, um, you know, protocol. And, and realistically, if you're, you know, the, the grind of doing all that probably isn't for everybody that's not fishing a tournament, but it's so much, there's so much to learn there and just so much, it just make, gives you perspective as somebody like me that doesn't fish tournaments like that, but just, 
you know, you realize that there's just so much more out there to go after. And that's definitely what I, what I, uh, enjoy talking to tournament anglers like yourself about. And it's just, uh, yeah, I mean, there's information embedded in all of it at the same time. I'm so entertained by the stories and there's so many more of them. So we'll have to do this again, obviously. Uh, yeah. And we've burned, we burned through some good time here. So that being said, man, anything else that absolutely pops into your mind that uh, that you know we totally missed that you just have to plug, go right ahead. I'm I'm all for it. Otherwise, you know we can wrap it up and just maybe promote yourself if people have questions or want to follow along, or uh, just any anything that you want to shout out. Go ahead, man. Yeah, well, I mean, I, you know, if anyone ever wants to chat, I'm always down to chat a little fish, and you can, you know, I got I got I don't have like I don't push hard for like the sponsorship stuff as much, but um, I will say this, like. You know, I've learned and our team has learned a long time ago. Just throw one last thing in there. Like, you know, <clears throat> I totally respect sponsors and like, you know, going after that side of things. But a long time ago, we kind of made the choice to like go in with our own skin, right? So we pay our way for pretty much everything. And um, when you're doing that, it gives you a lot more, you know, focus on dedication. Like you're invested in this stuff. We invest a lot of time and money and uh, you know, time away from our families to do this. And that's really one thing. But, you know, we do uh, obviously like with Yardcraft and Hannes Marine. Um, I'm sponsored by Garmin and um, JT Outdoor Products and those guys. So a lot of the stuff that I really, really utilize are my rods, my boat, my my electronics and my motor, Mercury uh, Protein. Those are the big ones for me. Like that's the core. And uh, But otherwise, we, we pretty much do everything about ourselves and go at it. And really the reason I... You know, my mind, my mindset has shifted. I know there's a lot of people listening to stuff that are tournament anglers, but some are not. And really for me, like, you know, the fishing side of things, it's me against the fish. And with Nate and I, it's us against the fish. Yeah, we're competing, but really, like, we're always thinking of how can we find the biggest was and get them to eat. That's kind of our always main focus. And then the past, you know, a little bit here having a family now, the main reason I'm fishing now, I still have a ton of competitive edge, but really it's about, like, I want my boy to know that his dad was out there, you know, doing doing what he did, you know, fishing tournaments, winning, um, doing things for the family. And that's what it's really for now. It's just so my boy can look up to me and say, hey, my dad does this, you know, and then hopefully if he wants to, you know, he can, uh, he'll be the next killer, right? So that's what kind yeah. of my goal is. Like, I'm, get, I'm getting this big boat for the family and for bigger waters and whatnot. And then um, I want to find like a, like a little older, like 16 foot yard crap killer to put in the shop. And then that's going to be his when he's old enough to start driving around like I did. So that's it, man. <laughs> yeah. Dude, that's, that's all it. I got. Great motivations there. I love it. And yeah, dude, um, Tyler Wolden, team of the year, you and Nate. That's uh, what a, what a great season. Hard, uh, hard fought, earned, uh, well-deserved. And I appreciate, uh, I appreciate you having the time, Tyler. And we'll definitely do this again, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. For sure. Thank you, Taylor. Appreciate it.